G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Our series is entitled, The Son of God, Understanding the Gospel of John, Part 1, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. And we are dealing with the topic called Liberating Truth. Truth isn't just information that's accurate. Truth brings freedom, particularly when it's God's truth. And in an age that has multiple truths, high relativism, or even has been called the post-truth age. For the believer in Christ, and one that stands on the Scripture, there's no such thing as post-truth. God's Word for us is truth. Always has been, and always will be. So our lesson is called Liberating Truth, based on John chapter 8, verses 31 to 41. The famous words of Jesus himself. He says, In verse 31 of John 8, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Friends, it's no coincidence that in regimes, empires, nations, where the truth is suppressed, where it's controlled, where it's non-existent because of the narrative that's given by the ruling elite, there is bondage. Not just bondage for the people of that area or that country, but even bondage for the rulers. Oh yeah, they may have power, but they're in bondage. It's also equally true and correct that where you have truth, real truth, bonafide truth, God's truth, there is freedom. That's why in Western nations, in the classical time, when I say classic, I don't mean ancient, I mean at least in the modern era and earlier, we had much more freedom than what we have now because truth was far far more valued back then than it is now. And we need to recover the majesty and the centrality of God's truth because God's truth doesn't just inform. It doesn't just rightly direct. It doesn't just help build up the inner person. God's truth set you free, because God's truth is exactly that. It comes from God. It applies to all people at all times. It's universal. Now, this goes smack against the face of our current culture, which believes in relativism. It's been influenced by postmodernism. There's a clash of civilizations going on with our world today, but the Judeo-Christian ethic is a biblical ethic, and the biblical ethic is based on God's truth. May God be true, and every man a liar, the scripture says, and the truth shall set you free. Now, Jesus was speaking these words to people who believed in him, 
it actually says the Jews who believed on him. But they, they believed that he was from God. But they hadn't yet signed up for discipleship. And by the time this dialogue is finished, many of them have decided they won't sign up because, well, they like the things of the world more than the things of God. So what we're going to learn in this particular lesson, Jesus talks about how to be his disciples indeed, not just in name or word, but in every aspect. He'll talk about how God's truth sets us free. He'll talk about the importance of being Abraham's seed, or just by being a descendant of Abraham isn't enough. You have to do the works of Abraham. He talks about the son versus the servant, and we are becoming sons and daughters of God through our faith in Jesus. And then again, Abraham's seed will be reiterated. Remember that Abraham is very crucial for us as Christians, too. He is the patriarch, especially of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so on. But we, who are believers in Christ, according to Romans chapter 11, are grafted into the olive tree, the Israelite olive tree. And so Jesus is going to speak about being a child of Abraham versus a child of the devil. It's something we need to hear. Now it's time to read the entire portion of John chapter 8, verses 31 to 41. Our lesson is called Liberating Truth. And again, the reference is John chapter 8, verses 31 to 41. Friends, let's listen to the word of God. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If you were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. We'll stop right there, but of course there's more to come. This reference is John 8, verses 31 to 41, and our lesson is called liberating truth. Well, Jesus is now speaking to those who have at least accepted him somewhat for who he is. Their acceptance is conditional, and for some, it'll be temporary. But there you go. This is life in a fallen world with capricious humanity, bound up by the flesh, and oftentimes influenced 
by Satan and demon powers. We begin with verse 31. Jesus talks about some very important things. He continues to dialogue with Jewish people, of which he's part of their community, of course, at the temple compound in Jerusalem. Though they are referred to as Jews which believed on him, they were not yet disciples. They acknowledged that Jesus spoke the truth and was appointed and anointed by God. Yet, they had not yet crossed the line from mere mental assent to becoming full-on followers of the Lord. In one sense, they were in a halfway house. They had some knowledge of the truth, but lacked the conviction to follow it through. They followed Jesus to the extent that they were captivated by his words and actions and made being with him a priority. Yet, they were not committed. So Jesus gives them a criteria to become not just disciples in name or disciples in appearance or disciples in, shall we say, word, but disciples indeed. They have to know and to continue in his word. Let me repeat that. If you want to be a disciple, you have to both know and continue in God's word. It is part of a lifestyle, and it starts and remains in the heart. Only then are such people who know and continue in God's word certified and recognized as fruit-bearing, fulfilled, and future-ready disciples of the Lord. So then in verse 32, it says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. God's truth, as I said earlier, is universal. It's enduring. It has the power to liberate people from sin. Continuing in God's word puts you in direct contact with the Almighty himself and his liberating truth. I believe that John eight thirty-two should be committed to memory. And let me repeat it again. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There is a connection between God's word, God's Son, God's Holy Spirit, for these three are the coordinates of truth. Put it this way, and I've shared this on numerous occasions. There is a lot of deception, delusion, and the like in our world. Lies, mendacity, spin, half-truths, post-truth. And the danger is, not only will falsehood lead you astray, it will put you in bondage, and in many cases, it could keep you from God's eternity. That's how bad and lethal lies, delusion, and deception can be. It's so prevalent in our world today, and yet, I believe the Scripture gives us the responsibility to be in the truth or to give ourselves over to a lie. Yes, Satan is a deceiver, he's a liar, he's the father of lies. But we just can't blame him alone. We either choose to follow what he says, or we can resist the devil and he will flee from us. The best antidote, indeed the only antidote, to the poison of lies and deception is truth. But not just any truth or a assemblage of truths. It's God's truth. And God's truth is found through three sources. Jesus Christ is the truth. John 14, verse 6. 
The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth. John 16, verse 13. And finally, God's Word is the source of truth. John 17, verse 17. So you have the Son, the Spirit, and the Word. When these three line up in your life, you are safely on truth's territory. Praise God for that. Well, let's move on to verse 33 of John 8. And the people hearing these words, these wonderful words of life, instead of saying, thank you, Jesus, for telling us the truth, they get indignant. They say, we are Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage to anyone. So how can you tell us that we'll be set free? These curious, casual inquiring Jews who believed in Jesus to a point took offense to his statement. They invoked Abraham as their father and claimed falsely that they had never been in bondage to anyone. First, there is a distinction from being Abraham's descendant, which they were physically, and being his children, which means to emulate his faith and righteousness. Remember, John the Baptist warned the Sadducees and the Pharisees who came to his baptismal service not to invoke Abraham as their father. And he goes on to say, God can raise up children of Abraham from the stones, but instead they need to bring forth fruit for repentance. And that's Matthew 3, verse 8 and 9. Matthew 3. Second, it's an amazing statement to say they have never been in bondage to anyone. What about the bondage that Israel had under the ancient Egyptians, the Moabites, the Ammonites, people in the book of Judges, the Philistines, the Assyrians, Babylonians, Persians, and now in Jesus' day, the Roman Empire. All these have put the people of Israel under occupation. Their historical inaccuracy of these protesters here in John 8.33 is astounding. Then verse 34 is the bottom line. Jesus says, whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. It is irrelevant that the person has never been incarcerated. What matters is that they have a hard taskmaster who is dragging them down to the worst prison of all, namely hell itself. This is what is compelling Jesus to come to this planet to save his people from their sins and the consequences that come from sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23. I've quoted that verse several times already here in the Gospel of John. And then in chapter 8, verse 35, when you are a slave, you do not live in the house forever, if you live at the house at all. You can be here today and gone tomorrow. But the Son lives in the house forever, and those who follow him will do likewise. And then, verse 36, the Son is the only one who can liberate us from sin. That's namely Jesus Christ. That's why he came to this planet. In fact, that's why his name is Jesus, which is the Greek version of Yeshua. And Yeshua is the diminutive of Yehoshua. Yehoshua is the Hebrew name for Joshua, the great conqueror of the Old Testament. And Joshua, Yehoshua, means salvation. He saves us from sin, from sickness, from the danger, 
from the world, from the devil, from death, from hell. My, he is the all-purpose Savior, and what he does, he does magnificently. As I've often shared, if anybody in history could have conquered just one of those enemies I've just listed, they would be celebrated. And here is Christ who liberated us from all seven formidable enemies against our soul. Praise God for that. So he knows how to set people free. And when you are free because of Jesus Christ, Son of God, you are free indeed. Disciples are free people, not people in bondage, not people with baggage, not people with continuing nagging issues that just take up everyone's time and they don't get any better. They get worse. No, friends, disciples are a work in progress, but they are making progress. It may be step by step, but they're making progress. It may be by leaps and bounds, they're making progress. Praise God for that. Abraham's seed, John eight thirty seven. Speaking to these same would-be disciples, Jesus affirms they are Abraham's descendants, but they seek to kill him. He is speaking collectively, of course, not to individuals. Why do they have murderous intentions? God's word has no place in them. That's why. If God's word had place in them, they wouldn't be thinking these things. God's word should be in their head, but mostly in their heart. A place of honor, reverence, rest, peace, righteousness, joy, and love. When God's word is not in the heart, sin will be there, and it is capable of doing all kinds of heinous things. Remember Saul of Tarsus? the bully. He was zealous for the law and believed it was his duty to destroy the ancient church. Fortunately for him, the church, and the world, God turned him around. John 8, 38, the two fathers. Jesus makes a great contrast. He speaks what he has seen from his father, who is almighty God, but this group does that which they have seen of their father. The implication of their father is neither God nor Abraham, but the devil himself, who steals and kills and destroys. John 10.10. And in verse 39 of John 8, the group protests, We have Abraham as our father. Jesus retorts, Abraham's children are people who do the works of Abraham. Children emulate their fathers. But you are not in that category. In fact, in verse 40, Jesus accuses them of seeking to kill him, though he is a holy man who has only told them the truth that was heard from God. Abraham would never do such a thing, and neither would people who are children of Abraham. Final verse for this lesson, John eight forty one. Jesus affirms that this group cannot be Abraham's children because they do the deeds of their father, the devil. They protest, we're not born of fornication, implying that Jesus was, but we have one father, even God. While they refuse to ascribe this fact to Jesus, they affirm it to themselves. So our lesson is called Liberating Truth. And our lesson for life is this. When you know the truth, you are disciples indeed and free.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.